Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Money. We all need more money, right? I mean, unless you're Bill Gates or Oprah or someone who's trying to give away their money because they have so much of it. Most of us would like more, if not for ourselves, to help other people, other people in need. Money's not a bad thing. I mean, it doesn't solve the world's problems. It doesn't make people happier, but it certainly gives us choice. It gives us options. And Lord knows it can make life easier when we don't just stress about it. Let's face it, it would also be great not to have to worry about it as much as we do. What if your money could actually make you money? Today's guest is Mel Abrams. And he's going to share with you some simple tips to help inspire all of us to get more involved. I mean, some of you are the money person in your household, and there's a good chance that you might just be that person who, when it comes to money, you just want to spend it, not worry about it, stick your fingers in your ears, make sure there's enough, but you just aren't that interested in numbers. But if you have a vision for your future, if you want to live a life that's less stressed and allows you to do the things you want to do, even helping people and giving back. That means we've got to take a more serious approach to our money. My guest today helps people build wealth and create freedom by learning the key disciplines that make the difference between debt and wealth. Mel Abrams is a business consultant with a CPA and martial arts background. Do you get it? He likes to protect people. Actually, he likes to teach people how to protect themselves their money, and to have the money that it takes to live the life that you desire. Mel is someone Brett and I consider a personal friend, a confidant, someone we love and admire and respect. He's a family man. Mel is a personal friend because like most of the people who I'd really admire and respect, he's humble, he's honest, he's caring, he's genuine, and he really wants to help people. He's very passionate about this topic. He's the creator of The Entrepreneur Solution. He's an author. He hosts his own podcast show. He does seminars. And it's Mel who we bring in to work with our private coaching clients, specifically on the topic of protecting the money you have and allowing the income that you are creating to generate more income. And as Mel teaches, discipline equals financial freedom. Mel, we are on live with my lifers. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm really great. I'm happy that we have this opportunity. I was listening to your podcast earlier this morning. Got some great tips and I am excited to be able to bring your wealth of knowledge to my lifers. It's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you. You know this about me. I love ideas. I like to come up with creative new ways to serve people. I have a tough time forcing myself to know what I need to know about our financials. It's something I'm working on all the time. And you have been a a real inspiration in that regard because you are a money guy and you're an entrepreneur. And I think that's what makes you unique. Absolutely. And you know, I am a left brain thinker. I am a CPA by education, but but truly, I'm an entrepreneur trapped in a CPA's body, I think, <laughs> and really, really have been an entrepreneur for decades because I found, one, the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to, to create was much more fulfilling for me than just simply ticking and tying and counting the beans, as, as they say. Yeah. 
Why do you think it is so many, I guess, right-brained people were interested in in making revenue and having the rewards and that success, but were not really interested in like counting it and, and keeping it more importantly? You know, the people that I've worked with that are in the in the creative space, a lot of them, they're such broad thinkers. They're such big thinkers. They've got such great visions. They never, they never really want to get caught in the details because they want to, if they feel like it's confining for them. And, and the way I look at, at wealth and, and this concept of even retirement or anything is not about the wealth. It's not about the retirement. It's about the peace of mind that you get by knowing that you've done it right and pe- people and, and things are taken care of. And I've got my fingers on the pulse. Many conversations we've had with you, your wife. Uh, my husband, talking about the direction of our business and our lives. It's really about lifestyle over the next five years. And, you know, because of your influence, we have said in, in great part that we are moving towards a place where we can have our money make money for us so that we don't feel so obligated to constantly be creating new things or tied to our work. And I think that's where so many people assume you've got to be an entrepreneur or you've, you've got to have this huge mass of wealth sitting there in order for you to even start thinking about having your money make you money. And that's not true, is it? No, it, it actually, it actually isn't true. I mean, it benefits you, obviously, if you have a large store, but, but how do you create it? Well, we, we just do it. You know, I've always said that the concept of wealth is really not about the money. It's about the discipline to, one, put it away, be smart with it, protect it, and continue to do it on an ongoing basis. And just to give you an example, if we taught our youth to start saving at, at 25 years old and just do it at $100, at $100 a month, they're going to have close to $400,000 by the time they retire at 65. If we turn around like I've done with my son, who actually started at 16 years old, um, but if he started at 25 years old, I said, just fill an IRA account, $5,000 a year, and, and just do that from 25 to 65, that's a million and a half dollars. So accumulating wealth when you have time on your side and discipline on your side is, is not that, that challenging. Now, maybe we don't have time on our side, and, but that's not a reason to not do it. It's a, it's a reason to get discipline and to start living life in a way that will give you peace of mind moving forward. I, I just read a statistic this morning that, that the average savings for those in, uh, age 55 to 64 years old is only $12,000. What? That's like a hospital visit. Absolutely. It's less than. <laughs> it's an ambulance ride. Yeah, Absolutely. I want to be really clear that we have listeners now who are, some of you are entrepreneurs, some of you are full-time employees, some of you are stay-at-home moms, but discipline applies to all of us. And Mel, I would love for you to share with us, what do you mean by discipline? Like, what does that mean? So being, being methodical and systematic about what you do, there's a lot of, if we look in, in society, there's a lot of talented people. Let's just looking at you, Shalene, for, for as an example. There's a lot of people that may look at you today and say, gosh, she's so successful. Look at what she's done. Look at what her, her life with Brett and, and, and their kids and, and everything. But what they don't see, and they go, she's so gifted. And, and you are. So, so I'm not taking any of that away. But the other thing that you've been gifted with is the discipline to do the work and do what's necessary to make a difference and make it matter. And, and so 
when I talk about discipline, it's about habits. It's about creating proper money habits, proper entrepreneurial habits, proper wealth habits. So if I'm going to simply say that I'm going to put $100 a month away, I'm going to create the d- discipline to do it. I'm going to create a system to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, most of the time, like my son, he's got an automatic withdrawal out of his account every month that automatically goes into an investment account. He doesn't see it. So, so it actually takes the discipline away, and, but it's being done automatically on a regular basis. And it, it's not a whole lot different than trying to get the discipline with respect to working out or a diet. Yeah, which really when I think about discipline when it comes to diet and exercise, it's accountability, right? Like you set up all these layers of accountability. First, you say you're going to do it. Then you make a plan to do it. And you could still fail yourself. So then the next layer of accountability is telling someone else you're going to do it. And then even the, the highest level is to tell someone to come and pick you up. So how do we translate that into our money? Like, I know I want to put this money away, but... Man, I'm driving past Starbucks every morning and I feel like, you know, popping in there because it's part of my morning routine. Other than saying I'm going to do it and making a plan to do it, how can people keep themselves accountable to put a certain amount of money away every single month? So one of the things I think that is important uh, as an entrepreneur, as an individual, no matter what is is this concept of what's my vision for the future. Um, and if we're just putting money away for purposes of putting money away, that's, I, don't, I don't think that that's sustainable. When we attach it to some emotionally compelling reason, one, that is this concept of peace of mind, taking care of family. I want to know that, God forbid, something happens to me, my, my, uh, my kids and my wife, everyone is taken care of, and I have the peace of mind of doing that. And that... That emotionally moves me forward to do that. So that's one piece of it. But then let's talk about the, the systems that we need to probably consider putting in place. And we'll talk about an, getting an advisor uh, in, in a bit here. But, but one is to have a, a proactive advisor that's involved in that vision, that understands the vision that you want to create. And they become, in a sense, one of the accountability partners through uh, consistent meetings. I have consistent meetings at least once a quarter with my advisor to say, let's check in. Even if it's to check in and say, where did we start? What did we do? And where did we end this quarter? It's it's to keep tabs on it. If we don't track it, if we don't measure it, we won't manage it. And we allow ourselves the latitude to to move off of it. Yeah. And I love the weight analogy because if you, you know, I don't want people to be a slave to their scale. But if you have no idea what you weigh, or how many calories you're supposed to be consuming, and there's no way to measure it, and there's no way to track it, then how will you ever reach a goal? So I love the analogy we can make with weight, exercise, calories, and what it is we want for our future financially. Let's talk about having an advisor. What does that mean? Like To someone who's like, are you kidding me? I'm paycheck to paycheck. What are you talking about, an advisor? I'm talking about, you know, whether it's a a broker or a financial planner, many of the financial planners these days, they'll work for a fee or they'll work for commissions. And and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, my belief is that we want a fee-based type of advisor that is vested in your outcome where they're going to take a, yeah, they're going to take a percentage of the money that they take care of, but there's an incentive for them to take care of you properly because because they get paid based on the growth of the assets. And you may not have uh, a lot today, 
But that continues to grow. As, as we said, if we're just slowly putting money away, all of a sudden you could have a couple hundred thousand or a million and a half dollars that you're dealing with. So finding someone that may be at a Merrill Lynch or a Wachovia or something like that may be something that you can start out with as an advisor. The challenge, and I think the thing that we need to be careful of, is that when we talk about an advisor, that that they truly are simply an advisor, that they're not, they're not the decision maker in our wealth planning. They're not the caretaker of the assets that we've given to them. And that that responsibility has to uh, stay on, on your individual shoulders. And, I, and a perfect example is even myself. Years ago, I had a, not just an investment advisor that would put me in investments. And most investment advisors, they're great when the market's going up because the market's going up, yet they don't keep tabs on it. And they use a strategy that I call, you know, place it and pray. And, <laughs> and they figure that that time will heal all wounds and it just doesn't do it in a wealth standpoint. And so I looked for an advisor that said, I need you involved with me. I need to know that when I need that phone call that you're going you're gonna to pick it up and you, we're going to have a discussion. Or when something happens, for instance, I may be in a mutual fund, which is uh, a group of stocks that is managed by some man- money manager, maybe in New York or in Chicago. And if there's a change in management, I may not know about it, but it can negatively affect the investments. Well, I want my investment advisor to call me up and say, hey, there's a change in management. Not sure about this. We may want to move it. I want them to be proactive. I want them to to be active and engaged in the process. But ultimately, I have to take responsibility for that, set the tone, set the attitude, and move it forward and be the director of it and the the caretaker of it and the decision maker and simply take their advice so I can make informed decisions. I love that advice. And it's true. And I know sometimes we feel like, yeah, I've got this person taking care of it. So I don't even have to think about it. But you just hear one disaster story after another, number one. And number two, Mel, as I'm sure you would agree, even the people who Brett and I personally coach, I'm constantly reminding them, this is my advice. I don't know all the ins and outs of your particular life. Never say, you told me to do this because I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm giving you my best advice, but you're in control of your own destiny and you may know details we're not privy to. It's so true. Everything that that you look at needs to be personalized. It's not It's not packageable and boxable, so one one size fits all. And whether it's age difference or the number of kids, all of that has to go into what it what is. You know, Stephanie and I. You know that Stephanie and I. We love traveling the world, and and as we created the wealth plan and and our what I call the peace of mind plan and and how we're going to live when I decide, which I don't know that I'm ever going to decide to stop <laughs> doing what I'm doing, is you know I said to my my wealth strategist, I said, all right, so let's make sure that I have this amount of money that I'm able to pull out every year as a travel budget. So it was all based upon creating a life. That was was the way we wanted it designed. And some people might go, you want how much to travel? But that's the way we want to live. And and I think that we want to be really specific and tailor it to everyone's specific needs and know that you start it up front early and you build it over time. One of the strategies or disciplines that I've heard you teach is to live within the 50% rule. What does that mean? 
Okay. Yeah. This is uh, especially for solopreneurs and 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 uh, that are really focused on their own businesses and everything that they're earning is coming from them. We need to realize and be honest with ourselves that that it's not a matter of if a dip in income is going to come. It's a matter of when. Typically, it's going to happen, and it can happen from economic reasons. It can happen from you know whatever is happening in the economy. It can happen because we end up sick or we end up you know with health concerns or we have a family situation it can happen for a variety of reasons and and what i have seen many times is especially with solopreneurs is that they live on the edges of their checks in other words they're they're spending everything they get and they don't have any leeway or flexibility for that dip and so what i what i try to get people to do is i said strive to live uh, under the 50% rule. And I know that that's a conservative estimate, but create a life on 50% of your income. And that gives you then the other 50% to invest in yourself, in your business to grow it, and into creating a portfolio invest of investments that will be the cash machine when you decide or choose not to work at the same level that you are later down the road. Okay, let me break this down. So let's just say hypothetically, uh, my household brings in 60K. Does that mean I should try to create a budget as if we're bringing in 30K and live within that? Effectively, we want to get as close to that as possible. So okay. And then I guess my next detail I would want to know then, should we be looking at the take home or what we're, you know, because I think so many people go, I make X amount of dollars per hour and they look at the gross as opposed to what they're actually taking home. I think we need to look at, at the, the actual take home, the cash, the cash that's flowing through our fingertips, not, mm-hmm. not the gross, because it's the cash that's flowing through our fingertips that we get to use. Okay. So we're going to try to create a budget, whether, and, and this applies, I assume, whether you're an entrepreneur or working for somebody else. Is that true? Or is it different? Does a, does a number shift? I think the the difference is this: is that if I'm working, for instance, we'll take take uh, take my wife. She's working. She's got a a corporate job that has a a retirement plan, and they've got some benefits that she is getting. And I think that 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 allows her, uh, if we weren't married, that allows her to sit back and say, I don't necessarily need to live under the fifty percent rule. I just need to know that I how much am I getting put put aside by the company that's taking care of me and what do I need to take care of on my own so all of a sudden we may we may change the 50% rule to say 75% or something because something is being subsidized or taken care of by someone else hey guys thanks for allowing me to interrupt I just wanted to jump in at this point and make a suggestion the Shaleen show is all about being better living with purpose improving ourselves from the inside out And there are so many of you who reach out to me and leave me messages asking how to stay motivated or, you know, how to erase self-doubt, how to get out of your own way and do some of these things. It all boils down to one trait, confidence. Most people agree that confidence is what makes someone attractive. It's not their weight or how good looking they are or driving the right car. It's, It's confidence. And confidence can be learned. It can be improved. If you dread being in certain social situations or if you struggle with self-doubt, if you just know there's so many things you could do if you just really believed in yourself, then I want to encourage you to check out what people are saying about this program. Go to CourageousConfidenceClub.com. Okay, that's it for now. Back to the show. What about for those of us who 
you know, want to look to the future. How do we discipline ourselves? Because I think so many of us, we're living for today or, um, you know, at least this year. What is your advice when it comes to discipline and strategy for our wealth long term? One is I try to, interestingly enough, is I do look at things long term in the sense of where do I want to be, but then I actually try to live life in what I call 90-day increments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, it's easier to be in digestible chunks. If I turned around and said, if this is where I want to be in, in 10 years or 15 years, and you know, a mutual friend of ours and a, a good friend of ours, you know, Bo, Bo Eason talks about his 20 year plan. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, to building real wealth over time, the 20 year plan is great. The question is that that 20 year plan right now doesn't tell me what I need to do in the next 90 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's important to then start breaking that down saying, okay, here's where I am now. What can I do in the next 90 days? Dude, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to get really excited right now because I am so with you on this. Uh-huh. We've completely changed the way we coach our personal mentorship clients, the way we operate. And and you can hear this in my podcast near the beginning of the year where I stopped teaching goal setting with regard to a year. I just think even that's too big of a plan for so many people. You can have your one-year plan, but man, if you break it down into 90-day increments, you feel so accomplished. You're like, bam, bam, bam. You just, it's so much easier to do. It's so much more exciting. There's more payoff. And you you can just see it. It's closer. And, and I think that's what people need to get motivated. They do because now all of a sudden you're doing, you know, four 13-week sprints a year that you get to celebrate, which is something we don't do, the, the, what I call micro successes along the way to say, God, I, I made a big step. I, I got that big client. We made, you know, and, and I can break it down to saying, I just got to get, you know, whatever, three, three more projects in at this dollar amount in this next 90 days. And that's my sole focus to really drive that. And we get to celebrate that. And that's the, it's like, think of it as a relay race that you pass the baton and you're rejuvenated for the next 90 days. That's awesome. I know another discipline that you talk about is like protecting yourself and, and protecting your money and protecting your ability to earn. What does that mean specifically? Like, tell me what to do. So, with that, and I, you know, you know me, I, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of protecting of other people as well mm-hmm. as myself with, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of different ways. But I've seen, we've seen people, we have a, a, another mutual friend that we watched uh, lose everything because he wasn't structured right from an entrepreneur standpoint. Tell that story, Mal. Tell that story. It's really inspirational. All right. So, so a, a good friend of ours, Brendan Burchard, and he's told it from the stage, so I'm not saying anything that is uh, not public knowledge started out his career doing an event that was this phenomenal event with literally 70,000 people down in Disney World called the College Success Boot Camp. And what it was to do was to to prepare parents and children to go to college. And it was a three-day, four-day event that he did. And what he wanted to do with the kids is he turned around and said, I want to do a board break, and this inspirational board break, motivational board break with the kids. And so he brought the, the crew in and he taught them how to how to direct the board break and how to do the board break. Do the event. The event is is off the hook, off the charts successful. Wait a second. When you say board break, what do you mean? So what he had the kids do is they wrote their barriers and their obstacles on a piece of half-inch pine wood. Ah, got it. And had set their goals on the other side, and he wanted them to break, taught them how to actually break the board. And it's 
it's really an exhilarating, being a martial artist, it's exhilarating to, to break a board and feel, feel what it's like to have the power to, to stand up and, and break through a, an obstacle like that. And so that's, that's what that whole piece was about. Um, okay, the- I got you. That, that karate move where it's like you're like, yes, and you just you take your hand and you chop that board in half. Absolutely, got absolutely. It. Ultimately, what happened is six months after the event, he gets a phone call from an attorney who says, you know, is this, is this Mr. Burchard? And he said, yes. He says, well, you're being sued. And he says, for what? And he said, because someone got hurt doing a board break. Mm. And he had no reports of injuries, nothing. And he found out that this was one of the staff members that supposedly got hurt and, and uh, left work and so there was a suit in place, and, mm. and he said, fine, well, go to my insurance company, you know, and they'll take care of it, and we'll, we'll be done with it. Well, what he found out is that when he, and he had no idea at this time, because he was just starting in the business, he insured the, the days, the four days of the event, but they, he didn't insure the day before event, the event, the day that they were preparing, the day that they were setting up, and the day that he trained the crew and the staff how to do the board break, and that's when she said she got hurt. And oh because, my gosh. Yeah. And so because of that, he had no insurance yep. and it, it forced him into bankruptcy. And if that's not bad enough, the worst part about it is, is because of the way it was structured, the concept of, and, and the brand of the college success boot camp he lost and he didn't protect what, what, what's called intellectual property, the knowledge, the materials, the branding, all of that stuff was not protected uh, properly, and it was lost in the, in the process. So, in other words, this is his creative idea. It's the the way that he's teaching the, this particular boot camp to college students. That's his intellectual property. For those who are trying to make that jump in a um, an example, it's the way that I teach push. It's my goal setting. That's my intellectual property, and that wasn't protected. So, not only was he sued. Uh, for insurance that didn't give him proper coverage, but he lost the ability to use that program because it was part of the business entity that had to go bankrupt. So now there's a lot of people, a ton of people, you and I both know, who have either started a secondary business, are growing a business, or have an idea for a business that is really based around the way they do something, some, you know, form of expertise. Not that they are the expert, but they have a way they do it and they'd like to market it, sell it, offer it, turn it into a product or a service. How would that individual protect themselves? So like you said earlier, everyone's individualized, but generally speaking, what we want to do is take that property, which is what I call the earning property. This is our intellectual property. This is our ability to earn. If we lost, if I lost my rights to my book, um, titles, materials, if you lost the rights to, to push all of that, your ability to earn is gone. So mm-hmm. what we, we want to do is separate that from anything that is exposed to risk. So I'll give you an example. For instance, in, in my case, um, I have a martial arts studio, which obviously carries a lot of risk if someone, you know, God forbid, gets hurt. Now, we have insurance on it, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything per se. I have my other businesses. And so what I want to do is I want to separate them by putting them in a separate entity. And if if Brendan had simply put College Success Bootcamp, the materials, the concepts, the branding in a separate entity, and then in a sense, we call it licensing, but it's like renting it, mm-hmm. renting it to, to a company that did the programs, did the events, 
mm-hmm. the event company would get sued, but then the licensing or the, the intellectual property is protected. So the key is to take that property that's valuable, the, 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 your wisdom, your experience, your materials, your creativity, your branding, and, se- and put it in an entity that's separate and apart from all the other activities that you're doing in your life. So you can preserve that as an asset. And if something happens, you can close down what got sued, but you still have this, this asset to go and do something else with. Okay, Mel, I hear you. I, am, I get it. I'm motivated to do this. My next call should be to my CPA, my bookkeeper, my attorney, legal Zoom. Where, what's my next step? Depending on the kinds of assets you have, you can, you can potentially just do it with a legal Zoom. But my recommendation really is to, to spend the couple hundred dollars or five hundred dollars to sit down with an attorney and say, here's everything I have and, and, and how do I make sure that it's protected? They don't necessarily need to create the entities for you. You can have LegalZoom do it, but at least get the understanding from an attorney because especially in the United States, every state's law is different. So what you might, what might be good in California may not be good in Texas. So you want to get that specific guidance and it's worthwhile to spend, uh, you know, the time to have that hour conversation with an attorney that understands the law. Man, and I've just done some interviews recently with entrepreneurs who have made just detrimental mistakes that most people would be put out of business because they didn't go to an expert, like they didn't get the legal advice they needed, or they had a friend who was an attorney and gave them some advice. I would just, that's the one thing you've heard me say repeatedly on this show is do not skimp when it comes to your legal advice. You know, don't take the advice of a friend whose son just graduated from law school. Like, go get an expert in that type of law. You will save yourself money in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mel, give me one last daily habit. What's one daily habit that everyone can start implementing tomorrow? Gosh, I think that it has to do with uh, focus and priorities. Um, And that's really about being really clear about what needs to be accomplished in this next 90 days and understanding, breaking that down and saying, if it doesn't fall into the top three priorities that's going to really move the needle, it's, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put it off. Mm. And the first thing that I'm going to do is, and I do this, I actually do it the night before, is I look at what I, what I need to, to take care of in, in the coming day to move that needle specifically, and I exclude everything else until that's done. Mm. Okay, I know I said that was the last question, but I have one more because I just remembered last night before I went to bed, I was watching the news and I heard the anchor read a statistic that the number one reason why couples divorce is over disagreements and fights over money. <laughs> and I've, I've seen this, you've seen this. I've got friends yeah. who one wants the security and the other one wants to almost soothe themselves or kind of reward themselves by just spending, spending, spending. And they're like, eh, it'll all work out in the end. And meanwhile, the other partner feels out of control. Um, you know, they, they have no ability to control their partner's spending. And it's just this constant battle. How do you get on the same page? I know that's a loaded question. It's probably a whole hour in and of itself. But any pearls of wisdom there? I think that yeah, it's somehow... We- we need to get both parties involved. Um, when Stephanie and I got together, and I said, "Hey, you're going to go to the, you're going to go to the, my our wealth strategist. Our, it's our wealth strategist now." And she's like, 
you know, if it's not science, I, I really don't care about it. And I mm-hmm. said, but this is important for, for you to understand. So I know that, that you're taken care of and you know, you know, the phone calls to make if God, God forbid something happens to me and it's important. Now she's over time has started to understand that importance to me and, and being willing to say, Hey, I'll be there and I'm going to, I want to understand it. And she may not get off on all the details of the prospectuses and stuff and the numbers like I do. Um, but she's, she's involved with the process. I, this is an issue that can come up with couples and it really becomes one of communication and finding a, a way to balance and, and create that satisfaction where we can provide b- for both sides of the equation mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Under, and get to an understanding of what we really want in life. I think you said in the very first part of that story with you and Stephanie is that you said to her, this is important to me. And I think for most couples, as you know, we coach only couple entrepreneurs. Now we used to coach individuals, but now we've just really found that it's very rewarding for us to help couples where one of them at least is an entrepreneur. The other one, you know, might have their own business or they might work um, in a corporate environment or stay at home. But at least one of them is an entrepreneur and teaching them how to communicate to each other about what it means to them. So for me, it's not about controlling or not trusting. It's about knowing that I am safe. Yes. And this is how, this is what makes me feel safe. This is, and if you said to your partner, you know, would you want me to feel unsafe or unprotected or scared or nervous? And of course your partner would say, no, of course not. So if you know like what what money makes them feel and why these things are there and what it comes from, having that understanding gives you empathy and it doesn't feel like you're just fighting me to fight me or or you're just cheap or or you just are careless with money. It's less accusational and comes more from a place of love when we can have those conversations about where this stems from and how it makes us feel. Absolutely. And I think that that's, it's, it's actually not a money issue. It's, it's really at, at that level that we solve the problem. Yeah. What, how do you define wealth, Mel? I define it as, uh, in, in my context, freedom and peace of mind to do the things I want to do, when I want to do them, with whom I want to do them with. Amen. <laughs> That's also how I define su- success. That's also how I define happiness. That's how I define purpose. Like, that's it. Absolutely. Mel, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you? Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, go to www.melabraham.com. That's M-E-L-A-B-R-A-H-A-M.com forward slash blog and uh, I have all kinds of training tips and resources there and so it has been a tremendous uh, blessing and honor one to have you and Brett in our lives but uh, but to be part of this program you are the sweetest and the nicest and I just um, I really appreciate our friendship and I want people to make sure that they check out the show notes because I'm going to link not only to Mel's website his blog but his podcast as well is invaluable and you really do cover so many great topics like how to know when it's time to quit your job and so many of the questions that I think people who are just starting out and those who are in business and want to make their ship run tight Mel it's been awesome having you thank you so much thank you true confession I love to spend money I like to make other people money, 
but keeping track of it myself just wasn't a priority for many years. I just always said, that's Brett's role. You know, he'll figure out where our money should be invested and, and where it's invested and with whom it's invested and how much we have saved and how much we have an equity in our home and all of these things. I just said, that's his job. And then I realized that's not really being a good partner. I mean, would he really be a partner if he said, yeah, you know, we've got these kids, you take care of them and make sure they're safe and secure and I'll just leave that up to you. That's not being a great partner. What it meant though, is because I wasn't really interested in it, because it wasn't naturally something I wanted to know more about, I had to find pieces of our financial situation that were interesting to me. Then I also had to realize, this is my responsibility. I'm a big girl. I need to know where our money is, how much we have to spend, a daily budget, a monthly budget, what our goals were, how on track we were. I mean, if we're partners, we're partners. And that was my responsibility. There's no other way to put it. It is your responsibility to understand where the money's coming in, where the money's going out, what your budget looks like, where you're investing it. You've got to learn more about this. It's just like anything. The more you learn, the more you know, the more you want to acquire more knowledge. And then you start to build confidence. I just didn't have confidence in this area. And I think it kind of stems back to the fact that I, I didn't enjoy math, which involved numbers in high school or in college. But now I know if I want to live more, if I want to spend more time with my family and my friends, if I want to have the ability to take care of other people and do cool things, then it's up to me to figure out how to get our money to make more money as opposed to figuring out how to just work more. Like we can all do that. Anyone can do that. Even some of the examples that we didn't have time to get to in this episode, like MC Hammer. Remember MC Hammer? I don't know the ins and outs of that situation, but I do know it could have been avoided if he had taken personal responsibility to know where the money was coming in, where it was going out, and how his money could create more money. In order for me to be generous, in order for me to feel secure, in order for me to work less, I've got to know more about our financial situation. I hope you've been inspired to do the same. Lifers, we are in this together. I love you. Thank you for sharing this message with others. Thank you for continuing to leave me reviews on iTunes. And as always, I love getting your feedback. So please leave me a voicemail message. You can do that by going to my website. It's shaleenjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And let me know what you thought about this episode or a previous episode or what you'd like to hear in a future episode. Until we have a chance to spend some time together again, you know what I'm going to say? You are the bomb dot com.